Manowar. Manowar? Episode 2 of Wrestle Manawa. I am Pro Wrestling's BFF Nick Manawa, and I'm joined here by Jason Saint. Jason Saint, what's up, man? I just, I'm full of Elena Paul's dip. They don't sponsor me, but if they did, I would be three times the size that I already am. This is the first episode of the 1995 Rewatch series, and, uh, you're like a sucker for pain. <laughs> well, I I went into this thinking, okay, they it's critically panned that the worst year in wrestling is 1995, so I'm going to try to find the good. And boy, let me tell you how hard it was to find the good in this pay-per-view. And you're probably wondering why I did not start with the Royal Rumble. Uh, myself and uh, Sweet William are planning to do a Royal Rumble show, but I wanted to get out the second episode of WrestleMania. So uh, this is 1995 Super Brawl, which is Super Brawl number five, and uh, we're just gonna go down the card, uh, talk some facts, talk some uh, some matches, pick out what we thought was our favorite match, and uh, you know just go down the line. Uh, the show happened at the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, with the attendance being 13,390 people. Why, why did you get so specific with the numbers? People can be like, if it was 80, you know, screw that show. <laughs> well, you just got to think about how many people had to suffer through this pay-per-view. <laughs> you don't, one doesn't suffer through Paul Roma. One <laughs> is gifted the gift of Paul Roma. <laughs> well, I started the pay-per-view and, uh, you know, obviously I'm a stay-at-home dad, so I'm making sure that Junior's not doing something. And I look and, like... Alex Wright is in a chin lock, and I'm like, oh, maybe it skipped ahead or something. And I rewind it, hit play, it's still in the same spot. And I go, uh, okay. And then I see the little the little disclaimer, due to technical difficulties, This uh, we brought you this broadcast as full as we can, or whatever it says. Uh, so, I, I, so I'm just taken aback, because I'm figuring, here comes Tony, here comes Bobby, intro us. Here comes, you know, the, the ring girls. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And nope, just start start cold on a, on a Paul Roma match. And uh, What a cold, evil way to start a show. My God. A Paul Roma. Honestly, if, if you were to see Paul Roma in a, in a promo picture, you'd be like, that guy can't be a bad wrestler. Right. He looks like a million bucks. Right. And... Like, I, I got my notes here. Alex Wright is booked like 2014 Ace Perry. And then he's like a young, good-looking kid who can work. But like, okay, then what? Right. It's right. like, yeah, yeah, he can wrestle and he looks great. And so who is he? Right. What is he? He's just a nice kid. He's that, the wonder kid. The, the wonder punk, as Bobby Heenan kept calling right. him. Uh, Did so, you notice the guy at ringside that was dressed up like Stevie Ray? I did not. Immediately, the first thing I notice is in the very front row center. I w- he's got the little singlet, the circle okay. in the middle and everything, yeah. I would say I would go back and watch it, but I don't think I could suffer through uh, another moment of... Uh, I'm just a sucker for pain. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it started, and I looked at the at the official time of the match to, uh, to see how much time that they had edited out, and it was about 45 seconds that we missed of Paul Roma and Alex Wright. Uh, 
So I so after I looked at that, I looked at how long the match was, and I said, 13 minutes. What the fuck do we need a 13 minute Paul Roma Alex Wright match? You have to understand. At some point in time, Paul Roma, when he was signed, he was part of the new. Um, you know, WCW has like old school stars and we're introducing some fresh faces. So they're probably looking at Alex Wright and Paul Roma and saying, these guys could potentially be our segue into a new generation, which no, the best, the the absolute best part of this match is Paul Roma's elbow drop. And then the celebration he does after hitting this elbow drop. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, did you guys see that? I did a move, right? <laughs> he springs to the rope, the top rope, like a cat, and uh, I gotta think that management was like, you know what, this will be a good opener, and then they did not mesh as well as I think management thought they would, no. and then uh, here comes Paul Orndorff out. Let me ask you this: Did you feel like Paul Orndorff coming down was planned? Because I feel like it just kind of happened. <laughs> like when he walked out, if you noticed the like the camera gets him halfway down the ramp, right, and then the lights catch up to him, right. It's like they're saying, "Oh well, God, I guess he's coming out." Yeah, pa- <laughs> Paul put his robe on. Let's get, let's shoot him. I guess right. uh, Alex Wright, I believe, won that match uh, with some. I think it was like a roll up or something like that, or they hit Paul. And then there was mm-hmm. a roll-up or something. It was like a, a quick, you know, take advantage while I can. Right. Uh, and always, uh, it always cracks me up when I see WCW, because they always had the ring steps in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, like, messes the guys up, because they're used to them being, you know, on the corners. And we see that later in a tag match with uh, with Sherry and, uh, uh, I think, Stevie, not knowing where to throw a nasty boy, and then... <laughs> We'll get to that. But uh, speaking of Sherry, how hot did she look in that fire dress? That yeah. leather fire. I mean, sen- sensational, scary Sherry, sister Sherry. Right. Like you got to wonder. She had like a forty-year career. How many friggin' s's would they have come up with? Right, just right, to with right, her right. Uh, Silly Sherry went <laughs> down with crazy Steve. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, there is a backstage promo with the Harlem Heat and Sherry, uh, Mean Gene. Obvious racist cannot tell Booker T or Stevie Ray apart. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. And I think Steve even says, get it right. Like, right, get, right. Which, I don't know if you noticed this, because I definitely did. Every single promo, they were screaming. Yeah. I mean, Okerland had to have, like, suffered some sort of <laughs> ear damage. Because <laughs> right. the whole pay-per-view, it's just like, you know what, Booker T? Right. Why the nasty boys? It's like, bro, we got you. Right. You don't need to yell. This, this is a microphone. The, it yeah. amplifies your voice. I don't know if you know that, Jerry Sags. Yeah, uh, next match is Bunkhouse Buck with Robert Fuller and Ming taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, Bunkhouse Buck, a huge Jerry-only fan as he's rocking the single bang bro, on the way out. <laughs> that haircut... Well, it had to have been a rib. They had to have been like, all right, dude, you, you thought the Pistons were going to win, and they lost, so you got to do that stupid haircut. <laughs> uh, and then classic WCW, they're getting a fog shot, and they miss uh, Buck jumping Jim Duggan at the be- before the bell. Uh, and then Jim Duggan, for some reason, hates Bunkhouse Buck, a true scumbag, rips the shirt off of him. <laughs> no, but not right away. Like right, right. It takes so long to get that haggard shirt off of him. <laughs> right. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but like when Jim Duggan came out, he looked like a million bucks. Like His body is in tremendous shape. Like right. Probably the best I've ever seen Jim Duggan 
you know, considering. Right. But he still has the face of like the evil alien from Men in Black <laughs> One. <laughs> you don't matter. You know that guy. As Russ Jones would probably love the reference of it. Right. Uh, and then there's a random shot of thirty year old broads and dresses uh, during the match. And then I don't know what happens but it looks like this breaks down and these old fuckers are beating the shit out of each other yeah. they're throwing bombs at each other i even have right here um doug and blows buck over which means he hits buck buck doesn't fall and doug and goes and he falls <laughs> over <laughs> which is a great spot but yeah like duggan's punches are insanely they're, good they're just going like it reminded me of that uh, that Matt Bourne Duggan uh, oh, weird shoot. fight, yeah. That, weird, uh, um, that indie show, from right, like right. Eleven, maybe. And uh, it, they were just beating the shit out of each other. Uh, Colonel Parker takes a huge bump off the apron to lead to Duggan winning. Ming attacks Duggan after Duggan, win with? Duggan wins with something so small. Oh, the um, the the running shoulder three point stance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then after he wins, there's a huge USA chant from the crowd. I, I think they just wanted to chant to show uh, that they were there watching the show, but right. just a, a thunderous USA chant to uh, to Ming coming in, right, and just being the most vicious Ming you can possibly. Right, he's like number two from Austin Powers. <laughs> right, just, right. Or not number two, but um, the shoe, whatever the guy. Right, I don't right. Know, fucking. Somebody will tell me. I'm yep. a huge Austin Powers fan. I don't remember his name. But Ming comes in and throws that Samat kick, and everybody's like, oh, my God. Right. Because you know why he did it, though? Because you don't put your hands on Colonel Lee Parker right. and get away with it. Right. Meanwhile, the whole time, the fans are chanting something, and I can't tell what they're saying, and then I see they're pointing at Colonel Parker. They're chanting KFC. Oh, fantastic. he looks like Colonel right. Sanders. Understandable. Uh, after that, we have a Nasty Boys promo where they – Every other word is some type of nasty, nasty size, yeah. nastified, nasty city. As I wrote here, try to give themselves heart attacks. Right. Because I swear they scream until they're red in the right. face. It's like, man, I understand not liking Harlem Heat. I love Harlem Heat, but if I if they were trying to kick my ass, I wouldn't like them. Right. But to be that mad. They were very mad. My God. And you got to think, like, this was, I as I was watching this promo, I was thinking, man, in like 2012... The Nasty Boys were on TNA yeah. as a tag team in 1995, like 92 to 95, 96 was like their prime. Yeah. So like to even think that they were on TNA in 2012 when they were trying to do the Monday Night Wars again is just it blew my mind that that was a actual thing that happened. Uh, after that, we have Dave Sullivan versus Kevin Sullivan. Uh, brother versus brother in a grudge match. Boy, oh boy. You know, very rarely does a brother versus brother match end up being like hot fire. Like, I don't know if you remember the Hardy Boys match right. at Armageddon or Vengeance, one of those two. It was in December. That match sucked. Right. Um, but a lot of those, like, you know, let's, let's build this easy story to tell where two brothers don't like each other. Right. But man, it, it was that match. I swear, if you've never seen a Kevin Sullivan match, do not let that be the first match that you watch. <laughs> right. Watch his feud with Benoit. Watch the stuff he did in Florida. I mean, but that match, good lord. Well, they said brother versus th- brother, and I was like, like in my head, I was thinking like, well, it's not Rick and Scott. What is this going to be? And then out comes Kevin Sullivan, and I was like, oh no, it's Dave Sullivan. <laughs> uh, no offense to Dave Sullivan, I'm sure he was a he was great as the equalizer. A few years earlier, where he was just beating the shit out of uh, 
out of jobbers and stuff. But what they have, what happened here was they cut the hair of Dave. They took his, they took his uh, gifted boots from Hulk Hogan, the boots that Hogan slammed Andre in, allegedly, and uh, and they cut his hair. And Dave is dyslexic, which explains E-Vad. why he has Evad on the back of his and, trucks. And Heenan throws a classic liner out. Look at this guy, he's an idiot. He doesn't know how to spell his own name. It says Evad on his tights. You know what I love about the whole, um, you know, those are the, the boots that Hogan wore. First of all, Hogan dwarfs him by like right. at least a foot. Right. How would they be the same size? Right. And like the same size shoe. Right. And another thing, you know, if I could think of a thousand people in wrestling <laughs> that Hogan would give those boots to first, right. Dave Sullivan would be so far from thought. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he looks like the last action figure that just kind of lingers in Walmart for four months <laughs> until you know they like Jax loses the license. Uh, the fans are just sitting here the whole time, not caring about the match, not caring about this feud. Uh, and the 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 end happens when uh, the butcher, also known as Brutus Beefcake, jumps up on the apron, and uh, Evad is running his mouth to Brutai and Kevin. Sacrifices his own man, throws Dave into the surgically repaired face of the butcher, causing <laughs> causing uh, Dave to fall back into the worst schoolboy I have ever seen in my life from Kevin Sullivan to get the pin. And then after the threes counted, he kind of just like fucks him off, like oh yeah, the match is over, get the fuck off of me. Uh, and then Butcher, uh, the whole time, is on the ground selling his face because he had had uh, surgery from the, I think, the water skiing accident, or jet ski accident. And uh, that was what caused, big pause there, I'll edit that out. Uh, that's what caused uh, Dave to not be able to kick out was the um, the head of Brudeye. Hitting him, the face of Bruda hitting him. Uh, what's, what's better about that is um, that was what like you, you had the Zodiac, you had the Booty Man, you had Who, and you had uh, the Butcher. Like Hulk Hogan's good friend Ed Leslie had like seven. He was also eight. the disciple. Who Who was uh, Jim Neidhart? He was Jim Neidhart. Yes. The father of Natty Neidhart. Yes. Uh uh, there, there was a. Uh, I forget. I forget. I know what you're trying to say, but I don't remember. Uh, there was a. Uh, I used to be on WrestlingFigures.com, and we used to have pay-per-views where we would put up uh, a custom figure of this guy versus a custom figure of this guy. Well, my group was like the heel group of WrestlingFigures.com forums, and it was uh, each member. <coughs> each member of the team had to make the same guy, but in a different gimmick. Well, someone used like Great Muda or, or someone or uh, I forget who, and we picked uh, Brutus Beef- Beefcake. So if someone made a disciple, someone made a butcher, someone made a uh, the Booty Man with uh, the 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 butt booty cheeks, babe. the butt cheeks showing out the front. Oh, I mean, out the back. His 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 front butt. Well, he had the he had the. Uh, he had the the tights cut in the front. Is what I meant. Uh, and every time they do a cut to Ke- to to Heenan and Shivani, Heenan's doing like 
the smallest things, but they are so hilarious. Whether it's like Tony's like, hey, Bobby, we're on camera. And Heenan's chair is like still turned around. So he's like trying to like inch his way around or just like messing with. He's like he's like calling on the on the headsets like where's hogan we gotta find hogan he's a chicken just like the whole time the whole pay-per-view every time they cut to him he is so funny and he's doing the smallest things and that shows you just how good uh bobby heenan is he had a great one-liner later that i even wrote down here where um blacktop bully is facing off against um dustin rhodes and he's trying to cheer on Blacktop, and he's like, hit him with the brick. And then Tony Schiavone says, hit him with the brick. And Bobby goes, oh, you agree with me. <laughs> uh, from there, we go to a backstage promo with Avalanche and Big Bubba. And I wrote down, it's crazy to think that John Tenta, until he became Golga in 1998, had the same gimmick from 89 to, yeah. to you know, whatever, 98. And it was all based on, like bad things that happened to the earth right right mother nature <laughs> yeah. he was you know that he was a earthquake and then natural uh, disaster natural and disasters then avalanche and then he was a shark and uh oh, i forgot about the shark yeah. baby jesus i had to put that on my blog <laughs> uh, and uh you know the 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 makeup room was a cool set for the interviews except for yeah, until big boss man or um Big Bubba. Big Bubba picks up his Gatorade and takes a drink in the mirror, blatant as <laughs> Right, until you can see the guys just hanging out waiting for them to cut the promos. I, I put that on my uh, on my notes. There's one point where whoever it was that was talking about their opponent, you could see the opponents in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I think it might have been uh, Harlem Heat, but one of those where the guys were just right. like yelling, you just see the other guys like shuffling in the background. Right, right, right. And then they catch themselves and step out of the frame. Right. Uh, yeah, that absurd that conversation. Like Booker T's like, "Hey, dog, look, I, I think they got me in the mirror." Well, no one's gonna notice. Booker just let it go. You know, <laughs> uh, terrible Oakland impersonation. <laughs> After that, we go into Nasty Boys versus Harlem Heat, and I wrote that the best part was Sherry. And I think it was Stevie Ray not knowing where to throw Jerry Sags, mm. so so Sherry just grabs him by the hair and. Throws his head into the guardrail as hard as Dude, possible. Hard. So fucking hard. Just like, she's like, here, here, throw him here. Bam! Into the guardrail. And I was like, oh my god. And then they grab him after that and, and put hold his arms behind him. And Sherry just punches him in the mouth as hard as possible. Yeah. Just straight socks and, him in the fucking you, mouth. It's not even like, a, oh, she hit him pretty hard. You hear like a... Right. It's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Sherry. Did, did he owe you money? I mean, and I wrote down in my notes here, uh, Nasty Boys theme might be the worst tag team theme ever because my God, somebody looked at them and heard their voices and said, we got to get them into the studio, man. Oh, did they <laughs> sing their own music? I didn't notice you it. You haven't heard that? I, I didn't notice Bro, it. if you rewatch any Nasty Boys thing from I'll WCW, put, I'll just... Put, I'll put the, uh, the Nasty Boys theme at the end of this, oh, at the God. end of this uh, show. Around, folks. We right. Got a, we got a special gift for you wrestling fans. Um... And then uh, there, uh, Brian Knobs finally gets a hot tag. Both men are on him. He gets a, D, a double DDT, and you would think he just did a triple moonsault. Like, these people Dude, lose their mind at a double DDT. They were so, so over. Right. I mean, this is honestly, from the get-go of the pay-per-view to this point, I think it was the best built match. Absolutely. And they talked about, like, when even in their promos, even though, like, the Harlem Heat one was a little awkward because you could tell they were still kind of trying to get used right. to what they were as a team, they, that match, 
I mean, everyone, as soon as the Nasty Boys come out, as soon as Harlem Heat comes out, immediately, if you had never watched wrestling in your life, you would hear the crowd and say, I know who I'm going for. Right, absolutely. Uh, The finish happens here where Sherry gets on the top rope with her shoe. Mm -hmm. She hits, uh, she's going to hit one of the Nasties. They move out of the way. She hits Stevie. Stevie. Uh, Nasties roll them up. One, two, three. Big title change. Everyone's going crazy. Everyone's going wild. And it's one of those wave sound effects yeah, like, yeah. where you hear the crowd just like, uh, and then we figure out it's a dusty finish. Mm-hmm. Here comes a referee saying that uh, one of the uh, Jerry had thrown Booker over the top rope, which is an automatic DQ in WCW. What she did, they showed on the replay. And then later on, Tony Giovanni's like, Let's talk about how they stole that victory earlier. Right, right, and it's right. like, actually, no. Right. They're, they were in the right there to do that. But what I love about that tag team match was um, the Nasty Boys, whenever they first became a team, they were like, they did heel stuff. Like right. they were, they would pull hair, they would gouge eyes. And when they turned face, the fans just loved that they did that to right, the, right, the bad right. guys. So it was, it was perfect. Uh, no one took a trip to Pity City uh, in this one. No one ever got the armpit treatment. True. Uh but yeah, you could. I think they should have just kept the titles on on the nasties and then reversed the decision uh, on Nitro the next night. If it was me, just because like the fans were so hot for that title win, and then uh, they just instantly like stabbed them in the fucking back. Yeah, they they totally killed it. And then like, how do you get that back? How do you right. get the crowd back on their feet? You bring out the black top. <laughs> bully who was that by the way who yeah, was it? barry darso that's what i thought yes okay uh, Man, barry darso has had a real motherfucker of a career hasn't right, he right like if i mean honestly he, he demolition was probably the hottest i mean it was easily the hottest thing he ever did but like fucking repo man repo and the blacktop man. bully he was uh he was like mr hole in one or, or whatever in wcw really? he was like a golfer character uh, before we went into that match, there was a promo with Macho and Sting where Macho, Macho was not talking. <laughs> and every time Sting would, and for the record, Sting needed to pass it to Macho because right. Sting, he really sucked. Yeah, not a good promo. promo. It was the worst, which I don't like Sting anyway. But to see that, I was like, well, there you go. That's why right. I don't like that Sting, song. Sting was super jacked up in this promo but yeah every time they went to macho i'm not talking and i I would be like what you got anything to say macho not talking yeah (laughs) and and i wish i had just a compilation of just wcw macho man promos because he has so many gems that you always forget about and then you see him and you're like oh my god he's hilarious uh my favorite is later like during the nwo run uh, he's talking to he's talking to Liz and he says uh, we're gonna have a party we're gonna have a party Liz I'm gonna invite I'm gonna I'm gonna invite uh, like I'm gonna invite thirteen to forty seven women are you okay with that and she's like yeah and he's like all right yeah she's okay with it but like just the random number that he picks I'm gonna invite thirteen to forty seven women are you okay with that so at least thirteen yes but no but, more than forty seven right, right. which kind of sounds like when your parents are like okay you can have a party and you can have kids spend the night. At, you can have no more than 12. Right. It's like, really? 12 is the magic number? I guess you did this calculation in your head. <laughs> so Macho is thinking, okay, if only 13 women show up, right. we can use the living right. room. Right. But the backyard will only hold 48 people. Right. And it'll be me and all 47 of these women. I guess Liz can just go inside and cook for us. <laughs> he's Macho Man. He don't give a shit. He's, ma- he's the fucking Macho Man. Uh, one of the only matches that had like a 
pre-match video was this Blacktop Bully Dustin Rhodes match, which, which explained yeah explained who Blacktop Bully was. I, I assume uh, from the video it looked like he was a rowdy fan who got involved. Yeah. They arrested him, and then Colonel, Colonel Robert Parker went to bail him out of jail, and I assume from past warrants and stuff like that, his bail, and not just from being rowdy at a WCW show, because if this is the bail from just being rowdy at a wrestling show, uh, $75,000. $75,000. So, uh, you know, if I ever get arrested for being rowdy at a wrestling show, I really hope that uh, General Lee uh, (laughs) is there too. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have a benefit show. Right. We're going to get you out of jail, Nick Manuel. <laughs> uh, like we said, Blacktop Bully. He comes out with an air horn, which is like a perfect like heel dickhead move. Just like, uh, But it looks like, it seemed like one that he had already used before, like yeah. at house shows, because it went out like it's instantly. Like, Meh. <laughs> uh, we, they get to the ring. Uh, Nick Bockwinkle is there as commissioner, throws Ming out of the ring, and they're all yelling at him. And finally, Blacktop Bully has enough of yelling at Bach and just gets to the ring like, yeah, whatever. We don't have Ming this this match. But meanwhile, let's think about that for a second. You have the best speaker, I mean, of the 70s and 80s, in my opinion, one of the best of all time, Nick Bockwinkle, and the, the opinion of many, one of the best of all time. And the only thing he does as the commissioner is not get on the mic, right. just talk for a split second, and then like the ring announcer is like, yeah, Nick Bockwinkle says that you got to leave Ming, so you know, go get some Lunchables or something. And Ming is like, there better be cheese pizza Lunchables and catering. Uh, this should have some mod kick everybody. This uh, show happened, happened in February of 95, and by September of 95, Dustin Rhodes is in the WWF as Goldust, which is his probably his hottest run in, in wrestling. Uh, but then, you know, they're having a pretty decent match. But, like, I, I read on the cagematch.net, like, review of the show. Like, every review was like, every match went too long. Every match had too much time. We needed more undercard matches. We needed something else besides, you know, a 13-minute Dustin Rhodes match or a 16-minute so-and-so match or whatever, whatever. Uh, the one line I got from uh, Heenan in this one was, you know what happens when you kick a Rhodes in the head? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, which really got me. Uh, huge pop for Dustin suplexing uh, Robert Parker into the ring. And then as they did that, I knew instantly what the finish was going to be as mm-hmm. soon as <laughs> Blacktop was suplexing Dustin in. Uh, which, for the record, it, it really shows just how good the Rhodes family is. Right. Because Dusty's or Dustin's finish was a bulldog. Right. And when he hit that bulldog, you really would have thought it was like Hogan slamming Andre. Right. It's like, whoa! Because the fans went nuts. Right, didn't Parker put his foot on the rope to... Yes. Pre- yes. And then uh, shortly after, he held Rhodes' foot on the outside. Right, right, right. Uh, after that, we go to a Vader promo. And uh, to explain my Vader hate, he once stumped me for a pitcher. At, at a show in the in the in the like rudest way possible yes he, he said i'm all pictured out which like, like I, literally I, he couldn't sit there and glance up at a right. camera for four like seconds. i uh abdul the butcher is like one of the guys that like when he was in abby mode he would like r- rarely would take a picture with you when he's all bloody and stuff like that i at an iwa show i was like his runner I would like go get him soda, go get him multiple hot dogs, and uh, 
afterwards, I went back there and said, uh, you know, Abdullah, is there anything you need? Blah, blah, blah. And then I said, can I get a picture with you? And his manager was like, oh, yeah, he doesn't. And he said, no, that's all, that's all right. He can get a picture with me because he helped me out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, if, like, you know, I, I know people uh, say what they want about Abdullah the Butcher. But, like, if Abdullah the Butcher, wrestling legend, can take a picture, why can't broken down Vader But I know why he wanted a female wrestler to go to the hotel with him. Oh, you got to let me get this one line in. Okay. So the whole build of this promo, the whole night, they've been talking about how Hogan is hiding yes. from Vader. Because Hogan is this this monstrous star who everywhere he goes, like they, they put over that after the ESPY awards, like nobody cared about Marv Albert yeah, or I, Grand Hill. They were like, Hogan's there. And I looked it up to see. I was like, there's no way that's true. And it was. It really was. True, true story? Yeah, there's a news thing where they were like, yeah, no one cared about the stars or the ESPYs. They cared about Hogan, which is honestly really cool. So the whole show, they've been putting over that this is the big match. Hogan's terrified. Vader's going to destroy him. Vader's this monster who cannot be stopped. And he challenged Hogan to a match, and Hogan couldn't say no, but you know who could. We got to cut that. But yeah, but yeah, after uh, <laughs> we have to cut all that. I hate. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, just just introduce the the fact that I just told a really good joke. Okay. Because okay, Hogan couldn't say or couldn't not say no to the challenge. Hogan had to take the challenge, but the female wrestler that Vader was checking out could say no. And after seeing that picture of Vader and those UGG boots. I understand why he was so upset that he could not get any service because, uh, man, that's a, that's a that's a rough uh, card to pull. Uh, to be fair, despite that, honestly, Vader was super douchey to you, and then it did really agitate me to the point that now when I see Vader, I can't not think of that because I was in the room when that happened, right. and I looked at him like, really, dude, you gotta just sit there. You don't right. have to put the mask on. If I had not seen that, I would look at Vader despite the Will Ospreay stuff and everything, right. and say, that's one of the best wrestlers right. that ever, I mean, ever got in the ring. Because he's everywhere he went, he was built as being this like powerhouse. And whether he was wrestling um, you know, Stan Hansen in the late 80s or wrestling Don Fry in 2003, when he got in the ring, you would see him get in there with somebody, and you would think whoever he's up against, they're really going to have to you know, go all out if they're going to pin Vader. So... For me, seeing that now, I can't imagine, I mean, you know, knowing what I know being right. in wrestling and seeing how people are built like that, to see that in the 90s and 95, just, I didn't watch WCW. I was a WWF guy, and I was one of those, like, Ugh, that, that company's stupid. You know, even though I liked ECW, and they were, like, lighting people on fire. Right. But I, I would watch, um, I watch that now, and I think, man, in 95, people had to have looked at Vader and thought, oh, my God, Hulk Hogan is done. Right, and you, and, and, during the match, you can see like he's lighting Hogan up, yeah. just clubbering, clubbering him. And it, it's a shame that that happened because um, I probably wouldn't be as big of a fan of Vader after all the Will Osprey stuff, just because like you're fucking like ninety years old, bro, and you're like coming at it like all these young dudes and like being an asshole to them. And you know, you went to England. Uh, you said you would do business. You get over there, say you're not going to do business, and they got to change everything, which you know is total stupid wrestling bullshit yeah but if, uh, if anybody out there ever meets ricochet just and, and you get a chance to like talk to him and he's cool with you and 
just ask him about that whole situation. It's a pretty cool story. Uh, after that, we have a Ric Flair promo, and uh, it just made me laugh that Ric Flair in 95 saying this could be Hogan's last run. Uh, What's even funnier is they say Ric Flair's retired. Right, right, right. It's like, dude, it's 95, and now it's like it's 2017, and I'm like, no, he's not. Right. He's, he's, I, I guarantee you he wrestles again. Uh, Flair had the short hair at this point, and it actually looked pretty good. I, I know he hated it uh, when he first got it cut or whatever, but I thought he looked pretty nice. And then I always hated when WCW would speculate and like give away stuff. Like it seemed like I don't know if I was just like a WWF fanboy so much where I didn't realize that like they did it as well. But like it seemed like WCW like always gave away like something was gonna happen, and I don't know if it was like the announcers wanting to seem like oh we're smarter. Or, like, someone said, like, when Heenan gave away uh, Hogan joining the NWO, like, whose side is he on? Like, of course, Heenan's going to think like that because he hates Hogan, and he's hated Hogan his whole career. But it's like, don't, like, I... Like an, I really an inkling. Right, right, right. And I just... Why I, even put that I, I, I never understood why WCW did that so much, and it seemed like uh, right here... They're talking about, well, what's Flair going to do? Is he, he's not going to just sit there. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, they know he's going to be sitting in front row. Every wrestler that's ever sat in front row he usually gets involved. You don't have to, like, drill it into their head. Right. It's, uh, like, a, it's like a wedding in right. wrestling. You know it's going to be chaotic. Right. You know someone's going into the cake. You know there's going to be something. Uh, this, the, this next match, uh, Sting and Macho against Bubba and Avalanche, probably my favorite of the whole show. Uh, just how it was, uh, the psychology and everything in it. Uh, everyone worked super hard. Uh, this is the first WCW pay per view appearance for the Macho Man mm-hmm. uh, since being signed. Uh, Which, by the way, the whole night, everybody like I don't know if you noticed, but everybody said, "Oh yeah," at least once. Yeah, everyone was stealing Macho shit. I don't understand. Uh, it's like he's here, guys. It's like if Jake the Snake was doing his first show. Would you do a DDT in every friggin' match? No. Like, shut up and let him say his only line. Uh, He's got lots of lines. You know what I mean? His signature. Unless you're on a Terry Harper show, and I'm sure there were so many DDTs that night when Jake was there. None. No? Not one. That that honestly surprises me. We we went literally, like, me and Terry went to each person and was like, listen. Right. It goes without saying, but. Right. You would think it goes without saying. You would honestly think it. Uh, this whole match, Big Bubba is getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. He he gets beat up. He gets a superplex. He gets the big te- teeter-totter from Sting. And then he gets a double axe from Macho. And then Macho makes the tag. He's like a house of fire. He back elbows Bubba into the heel corner. And then while he's over there, he smacks the shit out of, yes! out of Avalanche. Hard. <laughs> and the crowd even goes, yeah. oh. And I went like that, too. And Avalanche looks at him like, you are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, when I get in there, it's me and you, you right. son of a bitch. And it there. makes it makes me think that like at some point in the WWF, he's like, "Well, now get over and find that avalanche, motherfucker." <laughs> and then get in the ring, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we'll call it when we get out there." And right. then they get out there, and he's like, "All right, god damn it, remember that time you didn't pay for gas? Because right. I didn't forget." <laughs> uh, they they get in there, uh, Macho's ducking and dodging, and then he smacks them again in yeah. the ring, and then it, it breaks down into a traditional tag match. Uh, the finish was kind of weird because it was like Macho hit something and the referee's like, you're not the legal man. Get out of here. And then Sting like hit something and that was the finish. So that was kind of weird. But uh, I think this was my uh, my favorite match of the whole show. Maybe 
it being tied with Harlem Heat and the Nasty Boys as the best match on the show. Um, Absolutely. Um, in, in terms of, like, I think in terms of excitement, it was probably one of the hottest shows or the hottest matches on the right. show, if not the hottest. I mean, more so than the Hogan match because people wanted to see Macho Man and he was teaming with, like, the, the franchise player in Sting. Right. But in terms of psychology and just that yearning to see the good guys win, I think the Nasty Boys match – Really, it's one of the best matches I've ever seen from either team. Right. And that's saying something because the Nasty Boys have had a lot of great matches and Harlem Heat are one of my favorite tag teams. So it's crazy to see those two in that match where you're like, man, they're like ultimate heels versus ultimate faces. It was tremendous. Uh, After this match, Heenan is like yelling at Hulk Hogan like he's under a bed saying like, you got to come out. You have to face Vader. And I like started cackling. I thought that was the funniest thing. We finally get... Did you see my Snapchat this morning where he's, like, yeah, yeah, doing yeah, something right. with his hands, and Shivani just, like, stares at him, then looks at the camera and goes, all right, me and Chief are going to go right, to you. Right. And, <laughs> like, he's so over his and, shit. And Bobby, it was, it was it was good to watch Bobby at this point because he still cares and still right. loves wrestling, whereas, like, in, like, 99, 2000, where he's, like, putting his head on the desk, like, not caring about what he's saying, mm. uh, stuff of that nature. Uh, and we finally get the Hogan promo. Him and Jimmy are talking about how they're going to topple Vader and be the WCW champion and yada, yada, yada. Uh, always like the WCW version of the, the big gold belt instead of like the remade WWE version. I think, I don't know if it's because it looks like more rustic or like old school title, whereas like the WWE version is like so slick because, you know, obviously it's not the same belt, but, uh, mm-hmm. Then we get, you know, the big main event of Vader versus uh, Hulk Hogan. No Harley race to come out with Vader for this match. And Hogan is led to the ring by Jimmy Hart. What I noticed about that Hogan um, promo is he keeps saying understatement incorrectly. He's like, me going to the gym is an understatement. And you're like, um, so you go to the gym is right, what you're right, saying right. right now. But I noticed in, in that match too, um, Hogan slugs vader in the face really hard like 10 times in the corner and vader like just steps out looks at him like is that all you got and the look on hogan's face told such a story where he's like oh shit like it looked like for the first time in 10 years or you know eight years he's like okay this is going to be a real challenge i'm not just going to go out there with a guy who's going to run circles around me I have to work my ass off to kill this guy. Right. And the announcers do a really good job. Like this is before Shivani got that snarkiness from hanging out with Zabisco where he's on the mic, like get a load of Hulk Hogan right now. You see the fear in his eyes. Right. And you're like, yes, you do. This is well told. And he finally gets the, uh, he gets the comeback. He gets the big boot, the leg drop. And then Vader kicks out at one, which is mm-hmm. like a big thing, yes. uh, especially at that time. Uh, you know, Hogan's looking around like, what's going on? Jimmy Hart's freaking out on the outside. The announcers are saying, oh, my God, he just kicked out at one. Uh, Hogan's trying to explain himself. Vader comes from behind, knocks Hogan into the referee. Uh, Vader gets a big power bomb. Uh, no referee. One, two. Here comes Ric Flair in to count the pin. And then, like, it got kind of weird there where, like, he's, like, helping the referee up. And then he's finally like, yeah, he like throws him around. Then he's like 
fuck it, I'll just beat up Hogan, and then there, well, there's the DQ. Hogan in the chest, and then like, and then something happens, and then he, then he calls for a DQ, and right. I'm like, it took you that long, right, right, right. <laughs> like, uh, the fact that Flair was in there throwing you around, and yeah, you didn't look yeah. up and say, "Wait, you're not in this match." Right. <laughs> uh, so there's that, also there's also a, a fighting spirit moment with Hogan, where Hogan kicks out of like I think the Vader bomb. Oh yeah, and he yeah. just gets up right. And you're like, oh, I think holy that's shit. what starts his comeback right yeah. there. Yeah, uh, yeah I, and then it kind of sucks for Vader because I think from that, uh, for for his, for Vader's career, I think from that point it transitions into Flair and Hogan, and Vader's kind of just swept off to the side until he finally leaves uh, to go to WWE. I was gonna say WWF, and then my, and then my brain like started. Like right. <laughs> going crazy, so like it, that thing on Tumblr with like the different brain waves, saying right. WWF, saying WWE, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and then there was something where, uh, oh, that was when Vader was supposed to be in that War Games as a baby face, and mm-hmm. then him and uh, him and uh, Orndorff got into that fight in the shower, and yeah. that's when he went to that's when he got released, and then went to uh, WWE. But uh, to talk about people being released, uh, the month after this, uh uncensored it's dustin rhodes and blacktop bully in the king of the road match which is a semi truck with a trailer attached and they're just fighting in the truck uh you don't know you don't know anything about that no Uh, baby jesus king of the road match and there was a strict no blood policy uh in wcw at that time and they both uh got bloodied and they both Got fired, and Paul Roma. I don't know why. Also got fired. It was in the. You know why Paul Roma got fired? Have you watched his shit? <laughs> it was. It was in the. Uh, in the Wikipedia, he's still doing indies. Paul Roma is. Really. Uh, How the, pissed would you be if it was like Dale Patrick's versus Paul Roma? I'd be like, I'm not going to that fucking show. Uh, AIW and Cleveland tried to get Paul Roma for like their J Lit tournament, and like. The amount of money that he asked for was just like, are you serious, oh, man? I remember like, hearing about that. Uh, just like, and he's like still doing like the leap up elbow drop and stuff like that. Still freaking out that it's so good. But uh, like we mentioned before, uh, the the two tag matches are probably the best matches on the show. Uh, really not a show. I, I, I started this to, to get all the good out of Oof. all the bad that people say. And I'm usually a pretty, you know, positive guy, and I'm really sorry as your friend, Jason, that I made you watch this show, <laughs> because, my God, it was just, I don't know, like, I, you know, you, you know that, you know, in the next year of WCW, like, okay, Scott Hall's coming, you know, the next year, yeah, yeah, yeah. and could, you know, it, it's gonna, it's gonna research, like, yeah, and yeah it's and like, all them you gotta think in. about how, like, this show would have been helped so much by, like, an Eddie Benoit, Eddie Malenko, Rey Mysterio, Jericho match on the undercard. Well, what's weird is if you if you look up the roster as far as like the episodes of um, Saturday Night right, that are right. around it, they had really good talent at the time. Right. They had enough guys that they could have put on the show and said, "Well, here, let's just put this in, and we'll take that um, uh, that Paul Roma match and take three minutes off of right, it, right, right. and then we'll take three minutes off of this other match and just give these guys six, and it really would have helped the quality of the show." But you, you put Paul Roma in there against – I mean, I'm not you – know, the thing is, I know we're talking about Paul Roma a lot. I don't hate him. I don't right. think he was the worst wrestler ever. I just think he was very um, 
it's like like watching him is like watching the moves whenever you're creating a wrestler on a video game where you're like, okay, he does all this, but there's like zero charisma whatsoever. Right. He, I don't know, and and I think that's why he works so well as a tag team wrestler with right. like Hercules, and then uh, you know later on with Orndorff. Um, you know, because he didn't have so much charisma where the other guy could fill in. He could just do the cool moves, and it's, you know, it's a good unit there. Yeah, and, and like you said, WCW was about to really explode, but when I, sometimes when I watch wrestling, I like to think about what else was happening in the world when that pay-per-view happened. Like in 1995, the Jerry Springer show was starting to gain um, notoriety, and like Marilyn Manson was starting to get famous, so the world was starting to change around, like, like, popular movies in the time were like happy Gilmore and stuff. And like dumb and dumber came out the year before. So like the world was starting to go in a raunchier direction. Meanwhile, WCW was still kind of doing this early nineties style, not cartoony, but very, um, just straight wrestling. Some people are good. Some people are bad. And when you, your characters are like, man, I met this trucker. He's going to beat this wrestler's ass. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Like it's traditional pro wrestling. In the sense, like, okay, we're just going to bring this guy in. This is why he's pissed off at this guy. But it's also, like, like as fans of wrestling in 2017, like, watching back, like, back then, uh, I never got any pay-per-views. I was too poor as a kid. I never got any pay-per-views. I went to my cousins. Uh, I used to, uh, later on, uh, the IWA crew would go to, like, hoops to watch pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. And I started watching regularly and probably, like, 96 i would go to like a friend's house with like ian and them to like the first pay-per-view i really remember seeing was uh sean and brett and the iron man wrestlemania oh wow That's uh, a good one. i think mine was SummerSlam 92 but like i never got any pay-per-views i would always be like the first one to race to the video store to like rent stuff but like i said i was more of a wwf kid uh even you know back then uh, so I didn't really, I didn't really recall anything. I remembered that Vader and Hogan had a feud, mm-hmm. uh, but that's re- pretty much it that I remembered on this show. Which, for the record, to set up that Vader versus Hogan match, you had Hogan like celebrating his title win, and it was this big, man. Hogan's the guy again. Hogan's on top, and then here comes Vader. Like I'm the United States champion, and I want that title. And Hogan's face is like. Oh shit! This is the guy I gotta face now. This is gonna be a difficult title reign, much like when Hogan was beating people's asses in the '80s, and then Andre was like, "Now I want the title." Right. He had that. Okay, now I have to really get serious about being a champion. So it helped Hogan as champ, but it, it really did kill off Vader. And then when Vader came to the WWE, you know, he did that big feud with Yokozuna, and he beat up Gorilla Monsoon, and he was like tossing people out of ambulances. So the WWE took what they had done with Vader and basically like rerouted to the point that they could say, okay, now we have this monster who we can bring in, which I think helped WCW say, okay, well we need to do that with some characters too. They get Hall and Nash and they say, well, you're not going to be diesel and razor anymore. You're going to be Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. We're going to make you these, you know, these meaner guys, not just like, like diesel was a truck driver. Razor Ramon was like a cool dude that hung out on the beach i guess flick toothpicks at people which i would have punched him in his nose (laughs) but i don't know i I think that that pay-per-view in that era really helped both companies realize what they needed to do to keep the their futures intact because if you look at like 93 94 95 it was almost the same kind of shows over and over again 
Like, if if I watched, like, okay, I watched Nasty Boys versus the Beverly Brothers from 1993 the other day, almost the same match with Harlem Heat. Right. Except the fact that the Beverly Brothers were kind of a weird pairing at that point because one of them was about to leave. Right. So you could tell one of them was kind of burned up. But anyway, the Harlem Heat match, yeah, you could see it's almost the exact same match, even though they're two years apart. Right. Uh, like I said, I, I never – this was the first time I've ever watched the show – Definitely going to be the last time, even though I really want to see that Stevie Ray guy, but I, I don't think I could stomach through it. And I, like I said, I wanted to try to find the good uh, in every show that we watch for 95, but man, uh, if there's no good, I mean, we, we, we said the two tag matches were great, uh, Bobby Heenan was great, but man, uh, the NWO and, and Scott Hall and the, the Attitude Era uh, cannot come quick enough because... Uh, if I would have paid for this pay per view, I would have been really upset. Uh, especially if I would have paid, you know, as a little kid, like using my allowance or, or whatever. Uh, just a, a really rough show. Uh, also, keep in mind, like in the '90s, you didn't really know that there was going to be better someday. Like the people who watched the shows back then had no idea that cruiserweights were about to blow up. So it's kind of that thing that. You know, you, you grow up in the ghetto, and you only know the ghetto. You don't know what's outside the ghetto. You just think it's all a myth. Well, it's like in WCW, you know, Paul Roma, to them, was like, <laughs> you're going to smack me for saying this, kind of like their Shawn Michaels, right. where this guy could blow up and be the next big star. And they had no clue that within the next year, like, you know, the Eddies and the Malenkos and all those guys were going to come in and say, like, no, 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 look, we can we can make right. this better. Someone on the cage match review actually said, like, this show was so bad the whole time. I was saying, bring on the Vanilla Midgets, which is what all those guys were called by Kevin Nash. Uh, but, yeah, man, that was – it was – I obviously, we've only done one of these of the 90 to 5 rewatch series. So this would – you know, we don't have anything to compare it to. But I gotta say, by the time we finish, by the time I finish watching all these shows, this has to be bottom of the fucking barrel. Uh, by for, the end of this series, you need to have a list of like the best matches you saw on pay per views, right, right. and both of those tag team matches need to be on there. And honestly, I think Vader and Hulk, for the sheer spectacle of it and right. the story behind yeah, it, should be on it, there. It, that wasn't a main, a bad main event, but. The using Flair as the DQ, that's when it kind of got like overbooked WCW, uh, you know, which they would later use a lot. Uh, For years. Yeah. I mean, the uncensored main event 99 was Hogan versus Flair. That feud never fucking died. Right. I don't think it, I think the WWE, even when they had Flair and Hogan, were like, we're never doing that. Right. And they never when they did came it. back in and they, yeah, never they again. They never did it. And then they started doing that Australia tour. They did TNA against each other. So, yeah. Uh, I forgot about yeah, Australia. Right. They were both like bloody as Yeah. Well. Flair's ass is hanging out. Uh, yeah, I guess that's about it for WCW Super Brawl. Uh, any other stories or, uh, uh, any? Uh, did you see this? Did you go to your cousins to watch this pay per view, or is this one that you did not? Um, okay, I remember going into school the next day after the Super Brawl, and I remember my friends saying, "Like, man, I think Vader's going to get fired because he didn't beat Hogan." And that's one. That's like the only thing I can remember about this. Right. To the point that, like, because it was when I wasn't watching wrestling yet. I just kind of would see it at my cousin's house because he would say, "You want to come over and watch wrestling?" I'd be like, "I'm not doing anything. It's Sunday, sure." And um, 
like something I noticed, and I know this is a weird thing to notice. There wasn't a sponsor. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like when I watch pay per views, it's like brought to you by Slim Jim or brought right. to you by Stacker Two, you right, know, or right. whatever, or Karate Fighters. But on this, it was just like, um, yeah, WCW. Ted Turner has money, right. and you could tell that he started to lose money around this time because in '96 and '97 you see like surge cans everywhere right, right. and shit like that. So I think again, pay per views like this really helped mold wrestling in a weird, it can't get any worse kind of way. Right. Like I've, I've just um, after I watched that, I started watching an ECW pay per view from the same year, and the fans are just so different. I mean. They're so much more passionate in ECW for the product that when there's a bad match, even Joey Styles says, man, this is a really bad match. Right. And in WCW, of course, Heenan and Shivani, to their credit, could not say, my God, this sucks. <laughs> right. But I guarantee you, knowing, like reading uh, Bobby's book and just knowing Shivani from shoot interviews, you could tell that both would, like, would have definitely said that right. if they weren't getting paid an astronomical amount not to. Right. Uh well, first, first uh, 95 rewatch series, uh, if fans want to hit you up, check you out on the internet, where can they find you, Mr. Jason Saint? Um, Jason FN Saint on almost everything. I mean, if you look up Jason Saint, it's either going to be me or a black rapper from England who's really a nice guy. <laughs> I talked to him. I was like, we have the same name. He's like, you want entrance music? And I'm like, no. Right. But, um, yeah, Jason FN Saint on Twitter, Instagram, Jason Saint Manager on uh, Facebook. And Nick, I would love to do this again. Let me know when you want to know. You want to do some ECW stuff because that's much better. And my God, I can't stomach another one of those pay-per-views from right. WCW. Right. Uh, you can also check out his blog, Shitloads of Wrestling, on Tumblr. Uh, one of the most active and uh, most popular blogs uh, on Tumblr. For, Sixteen thousand followers for the for the wrestling viewing audience. Uh, as always, you can follow me at Nick Manuel on almost everything. Check out my merch, fullygimmick.com/slash Nick Dash Manuel. Uh, be sure to check out the sponsors, Time Killer Apparel, uh, which you can see or you can hear their commercial right here. Welcome to Time Killer Apparel, an all-new apparel line featuring shirts, hats, and adding more by the day to spice up your attire. Have you ever felt like a nice guy and maybe the world isn't just giving back to you because karma is a cunt? Now you can buy a shirt that says karma is a cunt. Go to timekillerapparel.com for more and check out Time Killer Apparel on Instagram and Facebook at Time Killer Apparel. The fight for change has just begun and because you listen to this podcast, use the code IWA for 10% off your entire order. Again, that's timekillerapparel.com. And uh, we will catch you next time right here on WrestleManawa. But now, it's time to get nastinized. Time for nasty sensation! Get ready for Pity City! With a nasty boy, we got a bad reputation. When you see the nasties coming, better change your direction. Everybody talks, but we know talk is cheap. If you mess with the boys, we'll rearrange your teeth with boys. With
Cause they'll be too late for the nasty boys. Hey!